Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Sarah. Thank you so much, Ed. Okay. Um, Well, what a beautiful day today. Um, And, you know, hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm a grateful compulsive reader. And and I've been a bulimic and exercise bulimic and, you know, the real bulimic, but um, my core compulsive overeating was, you know, what my crux of my problem was. Um, So, I actually have a little, um, I usually carry an album around, and I couldn't bring it today, so I actually have a little picture here, so I'm just going to pass this around. Yeah, and there's no passcode to it, so if it shuts down, then just click the side, please. So, um, the picture that's going around is when I was actually, I look like I'm in my, not that there's anything wrong with 40s, got a 40s, because I'm approaching that too, but um, I'm actually like about 15 or something in that picture, and it's, it's my brother next to me, so. So, um, you know, I, I came into program, um, this is my 11th year, so I've, I came in when I was um, just absolutely at the bottomest of my bottom, you know, and um uh, you know, if I can go back to what happened um, in my family, all I can remember is that my family was, you know, every fa- family is dysfunctional, and my family was um, n- no different, but it wasn't horrible, or I didn't have any abuse, or, you know, my dad was actually a minister, and it was like an open religion, so it was all about, like, being child of God, and, you know, I'm perfect, and you're great, and, you know, everything was so such positive thinking and positive kind of type of a spiritual, you know, teaching that I grew up in. Um, I have two brothers and two sisters. I'm the oldest. So growing up um, here in L.A., like, I just really never had anything that I could pinpoint out and say, this is why, you know, I've been looking for that reason, why why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because if there's a significant reason for it, then I can blame that. But I just couldn't find it. My mom cooked healthy meals. Um, we were, you know, back then it wasn't Costco, it was Pride Club. So <laughs> we were a Pride Club family, if you remember. <laughs> and we had a 16-seater, you know, van that we would take to uh, Price Club, and we'd come home, and um, not all family members could sit in it and go to Price Club, because we need that space to put food in it, so <laughs> we came back full. We had three fridges in the home, um, just five kids, you know, um, and we had two fridges in the garage and one in the house, but we didn't really overeat, you know, all the time or anything. It was just a typical American kind of family. Um, nothing crazy. We didn't go through fast food all the time. By the way, can I mention food names here? Okay. So, um, but it, I can I can only remember, like, going back to about when I was third grade and really just life, life was really miserable for me ever since, you know, that little. All I can remember is, like, comparing myself to, like, other girls, or especially because, you know, I'm Asian, I'm thinking, 
why am I not like them? <laughs> you know, they have that genes and I don't have that. So I think like, you know, what, what did I do in my past life to deserve this? And I just completely hated myself. And food was just a huge problem from when I was little. But it wasn't as bad as what it became to be because this is really a progressive, you know, disease. So I started out there, really didn't like, um, you know, where I was going, what I was doing on a daily basis. And I remember just getting into trouble all the time because I just was completely um, rebellious. You know, I hated my teacher. Just anyone who told me what to do, uh, what to wear, what not to do, what, what to say, you know, I just was completely rebellious. So I used to have to stay after school and write, you know, like the Simpsons, you know, like write the same thing over and over again and stay after school, color boxes. And, I mean, I did a lot, you know, like that when I was growing up. So with my eating, a um, couple of or several examples that I can really identify myself now as, you know, this is truly, I have no doubt in my mind that I am um, a compulsive reader, is that we used to go camping a lot because my family was not affluent and having five kids in the family, wherever we went, it just was times seven, you know. So my family really loved to do a lot of camping because just that camping space is seven bucks. So we used to go uh, camping a lot, and I remember on the road to getting there, it'll be about five to seven or eight hours of um, drive time, and I, I can't even think going for 10 minutes, 15 minutes without having something in my mouth. Like, there's no, like, bags and bags of, you know, cookies and candies and whatever, right? Um, and that just was how trips were. That, that's just how I thought. And, of course, I'm the oldest of five kids, so I'm, like, the food director. So, <laughs> so I had all the bags and everything, and the four siblings had to come to me to get permission to get one, right? So then I'll be, I'll be distributing, okay, one for you, one for you. Or, mm, that's only been, like, five minutes. You know, are you sure you're done? Like, I was such a control freak. And while they were eating one, I probably ten, right? So I had complete control of food, and um, I the other day, um, a couple of years ago, I found this family picture. Um, my aunt had six kids, and my mom had five. So, you know, big family. My aunt is actually in Japan, but, um, you know, the Japanese family, they only have, what, like, what, 1.25 kids or something? <laughs> so everywhere we went, you know, there's 11 kids and two sets of parents, so they're like, okay, where's the other five sets of parents, you know? <laughs> But um, there was a huge family picture um, that I picked up the other day, and I never noticed this, but I'm sitting in the front row, and um, there's like probably, I don't know, 20, 25 members of my family, right? And they're all, you know, looking into camera. I'm sitting on the floor, and what is in front of me that I'm like holding on to? It's a can of cookies. In this family picture, it was crazy. Like, I didn't even realize <laughs> that that's where, you know, that's where it started way back when. And I didn't, I'm not even cognizant of ever carrying that box with me, you know, but I always had something. So camping was one, um, you know, these eight-hour trips, also um, flying, so five to ten-hour flight. I didn't even know that you could take a 14-hour flight and not take, like, candies and snacks with you. Like, that was unthinkable, unthinkable. And now that I think about it, you know, the people who are sitting next to me, you know, this girl is just constantly eating one after the other, one after the other, you know, and the wrappers down and everything. I can only imagine what that looked like, you know, and I'm not beating myself up, but today, you know, when I'm 
when I'm in a situation and I see someone doing that, not that I'm already, you know, categorizing them as a compulsive overeater, but, you know, I, I kind of understand, you know? And so, anyway, so that that's where it started. Um, that was when I was, like, in elementary school. Um, and then the worst was when I had to move overseas. So I moved to Australia when I was 17 and a day old. I'll never forget it. And I went to an all-girl private school with a uniform and a ribbon in my hair. And I thought to myself, what happened to me? You know, I was just in a foreign country. Um, Everything closed at 5. Nothing was open on Sundays. Everybody was like, you know, just, it was like this retirement home area too. So it just was like such a culture shock for me. And when I went there, because, A, it's an all-girls school, so now I don't have to worry about much about anything. So quickly in about, um, actually my sister and I um, was shipped out there probably a year before my whole family did. So we're just there trying to find our way around things. Um, and we weren't abandoned or anything, but we were being taken care of this um, elderly couple. And um, I quickly gained about probably 30 pounds in about, oh, probably two to three months. You know, it was really quick. And it just was like I couldn't care less about what I was eating. Like, I knew these, like, caramel, you know, nougat, I mean, high, 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 like, sugar and cal- Didn't even care, you know. So I just started to really get into my disease then because I really didn't enjoy, um, you know, my myself or my school or anything. I couldn't concentrate on anything. So... My food thing became just worse and worse. And um, what I can remember is that um, back then, um, so yeah, I gained about 30 pounds or so. Over the course, I, I lost about 40 pounds or 35 to 40. But, you know, on a frame like mine, I mean, it looks a lot, you know, like a lot, but um, it just was not even about the weight, but it was just the whole sheer, from the minute that I woke up, I just completely, you know, hated myself, and I knew that today was going to be a bad day because I woke up, you know, but I just got to get through it. And then, long story made forward, um, I came back to the States, and I said, okay, um, you know, the whole geography cure, I did a lot of that. Like, I moved from town to town, house to house, apartment to apartment, city to city, country to country, thinking that something's going to fix me. But wherever I went, um, I never forgot to pack one thing in my suitcase, and that was me. Like, everywhere I went, I came along with me. So, um, and I remember I came back here, and then I did this back and forth, and one time, um, how I found OA is that... um, you know, I was actually taking care of um, my mom. My parents were going to split or something, and um, they're together today. But uh, And I was not, I guess, like a rescuer, thinking that, you know, because if I don't rescue them, you know, who's going to rescue them? Or if I'm not going to help them, who's going to whatever? So I used to just um, quit my job or leave my job and then, you know, go help my parents or go help someone. And um, it just became like such a chaotic life that I had no grounding or no foundation um, to what what I was doing on my career or anything. So anyway, so um, what happened was, and you know what, actually before I go into what happened, 
Um, my last few days of before I found the name OA and what I knew what it stood for was that I would do this. I had six roommates in a three-bedroom house back then, and um, we used to share food together. So everybody thought that all the food being gone is like the five other girls eating it, right? But it was just me. And then I would be in the office. Oh, now it's come back. Sorry. I was in the office, and I would actually overtime from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. when the cleaners came in because I couldn't finish my work during the day because I was too busy doing something else or eating or just not being productive. And then 5 o'clock, everybody in the office left, like clockwork, right? They clocked out. They're out. I'm the only one hanging around. And then for the next four hours, I'm not kidding you, I would go back and forth between my office and the receptionist, you know, chocolate bowl, back and forth, back and forth, four hours. And then, not only that, I went to, like, all these, like, coworkers and my executives, like, offices, looking through their drawers and finding food there. And I would open it up, like, really, you know, some people have really weird, like, way of holding things. So I would know exactly how to do it back, you know. And then I would eat, you know, a couple of pieces until they can't really tell, like, maybe some, you know, not until some, someone knew that definitely someone went through my, you know, I feel like that, what is that, three bear and whatever story. But until that threshold is reached, I would stop. But then some days my addiction was so strong that I would eat a little more than I should have, right? And I'm like, oh, shoot. I know I'm being recorded. So I'm like, oh, I'm, sh you know, I better go out and find the exact brand, the exact flavor, exact everything. And I would go to, like, three different stores. Some people had things I just didn't know even where they got it from. And I'm doing this five to nine, right? I'm, like, driving around because I have to fix it before tomorrow morning when they come back into the office. It was complete insanity. Complete insanity. Complete insanity, you know, when I think about it. And that's one extreme example. And then, um, oh, and of course, I'm writing this overtime, you know, four hours, four hours every day, five times a week. So 20 hours of overtime. And I was with this company for about three years or so. And I didn't do it every day, maybe, but I definitely was overtiming a lot, you know. And my bosses were like, they loved me at that time, but they're like, I'm not getting it. Like, <laughs> you have a lot of overtime. And I'm like... I know, it just, you know, it just takes a lot of time. And they were kind of okay with that. They're a very rich company, and they're like, okay, whatever. But, like, I just, I don't even know why I was able to show up the next day looking normal. Like, this is insane, right? And then I started throwing up, too. So then I would throw up in the office bathroom, and then, um, you know, it just got, everything was starting to just, you know, that feeling of, like, just unraveling. Like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was happening to me. And, um, and the last example I'll share is that then I couldn't stop eating. Like, I wanted to stop eating, but you know how? Like, this is something that if, you know, if someone doesn't experience how, how it is, meaning I literally can't stop eating or can't stop doing something, it's just, it's just this thing where you just don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, just stop. <laughs> you know, just stop doing it if it hurts or if it's not working for you. You know, that's. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but I would be then now um, saying, okay, from tomorrow I'm not going to do this again. A, that means I have to eat everything. And B, it means I'm going to stop at 11.59 p.m. Because from 12 a.m., that's tomorrow. So I would be hiding in a garage, hiding anywhere that people, you know, obviously can't see me doing this. And, like, just 11.59, literally, I did that day after day after day and doing the same thing over and over again, you know, definition of insanity in my mind. 
um, the next day. And I used to um, go to the gym for about two to three hours a day, and my girlfriends knew this, and they're like, I don't get it. Like, you're gaining weight, but then you go to the gym like three to four hours a day, and you eat healthy in front of us. And then the two-dinner thing, you know, on the way home, go through the drive-thru, do a dinner, and then go home and say, oh, I haven't eaten dinner, so let's eat together, you know. So I did all that, and how I found OA and recovery, which has been just, you know, just phenomenal, is that um, I still can't believe my life today. You know, I still cannot believe my life today, is that, so 11 years ago, um, I said, um, I don't know why this is happening to me, but... And I'm sure I'm the only one out there, but something said to me, maybe it's not just you. Maybe it's not just you. And back then, I wanted to kind of do my own business or something on the website, uh, on, online. So I thought, maybe we could do like a, maybe I could build a site where all these people can come anonymously, have a username and stuff, and, you know, maybe a $5 membership, and then there's a doctor on board to cover my butt. And then, you know, just do like a meet, not a meeting. Back then, I didn't even know what that was. But I was like, oh, we can share our experience. But then I thought, well, there's, uh, maybe there's already something like that out there. So I, back then, it wasn't Google. But um, I searched uh, whatever the keyword was, you know, like overeating or can't stop eating or whatever it was. And then, of course, the first page that popped up was OA, OA.org. And I said, OA, I don't know what that means, clicked on it, Overeaters Anonymous. I mean, I cannot tell you the horror. Like, when I knew what that acronym meant, I was like, that is, like, so gross. Like, Overeaters Anonymous. I don't know what that means. Um, I don't really like it. But then I started reading, like, are you this, are you that, you know, that list. I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You know, and I went through the whole list, and it was like, oh, my goodness, this is me. That predicament, I can't tell you, I was mortified. And I was, like, at a Kinko's or something in a public computer, too. So I'm like, I can't do anything crazy. And I'm, like, making sure that no one's seeing the screen and everything. And I was just devastated and embarrassed. And I was like, this is me. I don't know what OA is. And it said Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, 12 Steps. And I'm like, back then, you know, like, movies always talked about AA. So I knew AA, but I never knew this anonymous group had so many other branches or groups. Never. So the seed was planted, as they say. And um, and before I go on, when do I stop? Uh, 6.20. 6.20 is like the cutoff, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to leave Q&A, so. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay, so the, plant was, uh, the seed was planted, and then I, um, then about three more months of binging and whatever, the last kind of, you know, minute, um, um, desperation of like, okay, maybe, maybe whatever happened. And then um, one day I was driving home, and I'll never forget it. I was in Lake Forest, Orange County, and um, and I was driving, and I remembered about Ovaries Anonymous, and I couldn't do it anymore. And I was still with that company, and I just couldn't show up to work anymore. And I was not fitting into anything, and pe- I, and I knew that people in the office were like. What is going on, you know? I just couldn't think straight. I was always, like, you know, like, sweaty or, like, tired or bloated or, you know, whatever. Because when you binge the night before, you look horrible the next morning. I don't think I need to, you know, tell you that because we all know how that feels. But, and the hangover and everything. And so I tried my best to hide it, but I just couldn't anymore. So I remember about OA, and I called the guy, uh, the contact person's number there. And he dropped everything, and he listened to me. 
He listened to me, and he knew everything that I was saying. This gentleman on the phone, and I was like, older gentleman, and I was like, and I was crying so much I had to pull over, you know, and, um, and I pulled over, and I was crying and crying. He's like, you have to go to a meeting tonight. And I said, you don't understand. He's like, no, you've got to go to a meeting. There's one here and there and here. And I go, you don't understand. Okay, this is Orange County, and this is Lake Forest, almost like an Nigel. And I'm this, like, hmm, I'm this Asian girl, and I'm not, like, 100 pounds overweight, and no one ever believes me. So I don't want to go to this whatever meeting and not get understood. Because that was one of my other things is that I talked to so many people that I trusted about this issue a little bit. And they'd be like, oh, no, just stop eating and exercise. Or, like, just eat sensibly. Just eat in moderation. Just, you know, the, all the things that the big book says. So, um, so I thought, well, if I gained 100 pounds, would you believe that I would have, I have a problem, right? Would that then be enough for you to believe that I'm actually crying out for help, you know? So I just felt like no one was going to help me and no one was going to believe me. I think that was my biggest thing is that no one, no one could ever believe that you can't just stop eating, you know? It's just insane. And it is. So anyway, so I showed up in my first meeting, and then within a year, I did my 12 steps. Um, I found a sponsor. Um, I heard her story. I loved it. And the reason why I loved it is because it was so crazy that I thought, oh, my gosh, if I work with her, I can say anything, and it won't even bother her. <laughs> I didn't know what the program was about or the steps, but I just knew that she was so crazy before that I'm going to be okay. So I approached her and I said, I related to nothing about your share, but I want you to be my sponsor. And, you know, it's a God thing. Oh, my gosh. She was the perfect, perfect sponsor. And um, our spirituality and everything was same page, same paragraph, even to probably the same sentence. Like, we were so, like, just meant to be together. So I did everything she told me to do, and my step work within that first year was really quick. Whatever she told me, I did it. You know, the fourth inventory, the fourth step inventory, I did it. And I wrote down things that, you know, how we say it, like we wouldn't have even wanted to bring it to our grave. I did it. I just was, like, so mortified at some of the most embarrassing things. But whatever that bothered me, I knew I had to list it. So I just did it. I didn't even think about it. I just listed because... um, what I wanted to do was not to lose weight at that point. Of course, that would be lovely. But I just wanted to get out of the food jail. Like, I was in jail with food. I just could not get out of it. I just wanted out. I didn't know. I didn't care how that would look for me physically. or I didn't know what it was going to take or look like, but I just wanted to get the hell out. That's all I knew. And she said, well, this is what I did to get out. So I said, okay, I'll do it. Because it seemed like, you know, and then going to the meetings, I was like, it seemed like it was working for so many people, you know, and seeing their pictures and seeing their recoveries and everything. So it just was magical. I did my fourth step with her. And then um, the time when I specifically remember my obsession being completely lifted is when I was um, when I was giving away my fifth. You know, I remember it was at that artificially made Lake Forest Lake, and I was under a beautiful tree, and I just... After I did my fifth, suddenly my food obsession was not there. It just was lifted. Like, I wasn't fighting anymore. I wasn't, you know, um, swearing off of it anymore, like the big says. It just was not there. So then I started to have just three moderate meals, and food became a non-issue. So within a year, um, I just completely, like, became 
an entirely different person. I just was never could have imagined having that kind of a freedom, like that kind of a freedom, you know. And then I took my ear candle today, so as you can see, <laughs> things happen in life, and life is program, you know. And my story that I really wanted to share today is that no matter what happens, I know that this is the only thing that works for me. You know, I don't care, you know, like the other programs and workshops and packages and diets and um, pills and research and genetics and DNAs, and I, I don't care because I don't care anymore. And I don't care about the reason why I relapsed or the reason why I have this in my family and no one else does. I don't care that my dad almost, you know, died because he, his metabolism was so high. I don't care. Like, I don't care anymore. But the only thing that I know is that no matter what happens in my life today, because I have gone through my um, experience with my relapse, that coming back from that was like, when I got into my relapse, this was like about two years into it because then I moved back to Australia again, and it was hard. It was hard to move and then... Not to say that um, the moving caused it. It's not that. God is everywhere. I just needed to bring God and be connected to God and keep doing the basics. Going to meetings, you know, doing the step work, committing my food, writing my stuff, doing my inventory. Basic stuff. It's really simple. It's really, really simple, but I, I didn't do it. But then I became so resentful at God. I was like, really? Like, I did all that effing work and really... Like, you're just going to pull the rug under me, and then you're not there for me. Okay, fine. So I became angry and resentful at God. I just could not take the third step or the second step. I was like, no, there's no God, you know. Because, um, yeah, because I, I, I suffered so much, and I did so much for recovery, and no, there's no God. So that took me about a good year of relapse. It was miserable. Like, it was progressive. I just, I almost dropped out of my grad school. I'm, I'm actually, next week is my second to last week of my grad program. And um, it took me four years to do this. And I, I almost quit. I almost quit this program and I said I can't do it because I'm binging again. I, I couldn't show up to classes. I missed so many classes in the middle there about two years ago. And uh, my classmates were like, wait, she was like really reliable and everything and then suddenly like, What's going on, you know? And um, and I, re not regained, but probably gained back about 20 pounds or so, and just back, back in the food, you know? Back in the food and back in the anger and back in the resentment and out of the meetings, out of the meetings. I was like, I'm not going there. Like, no. Like, none of the meetings around here is good, so it's just, what's the point? And I was in, I was in flipping Santa Monica. <laughs> uh, like on... Uh, there was a walkie, uh, meeting, like, um, about a block away, right, at the cottage. So if I can't get recovery in Santa Monica, California, okay, the common denominator is me. You know what I mean? If I was out in Michigan somewhere and I have to drive, like, you know, or fly for two hours to get to a meeting, okay, like, that's a little difficult, but... Not to say that there's so many, like, online phone meetings. I mean, there's gazillions of ways to get recovery. And I hear so many people's stories. Like, even my sponsee, you know, like, she's up, up north, and she's like, yeah, I'm having to, having to take this bus and that bus and that. You know, and she still goes to a meeting. And this is why I sponsor today is because it reminds me that, oh, my goodness, you know, now I live in, like, Silver Lake area. 
but it, there's meetings over there and meetings here. It took me like 20 minutes, my driving, to get here from Silver Lake, right? So it's like, what is my problem? My problem is my self-will. My problem is that if things aren't, you know, on page 60, I think, you know, I want to be the director. I want to move every street, every meeting, everything around me so that it perfectly suits with my schedule. So I want to just touch a little bit about today. So now I have a year, and um, I did have like a year or so before, and my definition of abstinence is, um, you know, no binging, no purging, no spitting. I used to spit. So it's like, okay, if I put something in my mouth, S-O-L, that is going to go down, you know, unless it's poison, right? <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Uh, your chance is over. You're just going to swallow that and then move on. So if I don't do that, I will go back. If I don't do that, I will go back so easily. So today, um, yeah, my abstinence is that. And then, um, uh, and then I did a no chocolate a year ago. Now, I never in a billion years thought I could ever do it for, say, three days. And when I put that thing, I have a food sponsor today who teaches me that abstinence and food plan is separate things. Like, abstinence is no negotiation. It's black and white. And then food plan changes, but I commit to it. And if I make any change, I need to commit to it and then um, report the change before. And then sometimes I do it after. But it's about honesty with my food plan. Uh, and there's a balanced meal kind of food plan, too. You know, so it's not like um, one of those programs where we count points, although they have vegetables and things like that. But it's not like, okay, if I have, you know, 2,000 calories, I can just eat 2,000 calories worth of frozen yogurt, you know. So my food plan doesn't look like that. It's like, okay, grains and whole grains and veggies and protein. And, you know, it's just balanced meal because it keeps me balanced. It keeps me sane because I don't have a choice in food anymore. I've lost that choice. Um, some of the red life foods, I completely have lost it. So, um, so anyway, so I, I, I put that chocolate thing on the afternoon thing, and I was like, I was shaking. I was like, uh, this means that if I ever have chocolate for the rest of my life, like even a piece, it means I have to go back to day one, right? And I was like, okay, how am I going to do that? And she's like, you're not doing it. <laughs> how am I going to do that? I'm not doing it. So I have to tell you that it's been phenomenal because once I put that thing on my abstinence thing and I gave it away to God, and I said, okay, I know I can't, I can't even fathom doing this, but I'm going to give it to you. The obsession lifted. And then every time I see chocolate anywhere around me now, I recoil as if from a hot flame. I never knew. Never knew. I don't even crave. I don't, it's not even my food. So, um... So I wanted to, lastly, I wanted to share about a miracle, that's a miracle, right? Um, just obsession being lifted. And the absolute miracle for me today is that I'm actually, um, I was with someone six years ago. We broke up and we got back together five and a half years later, uh, last uh, Thanksgiving. And I'm already now moved in and living with him. Thank you. And the miracle that I want to share with my life today is that, oh, my gosh, like, he was like, who are you? I don't know you. And that's only because I don't have expectations, you know, 98% of the time, or maybe 97. <laughs> Let's get real here. Um, and I don't demand anything. I accept him for who he is and what he does and what he doesn't do. 
it's like, it's just not even there. Like, all the things that I used to say, you should do this, you should do that, you shouldn't be this way, you shouldn't wear that, you shouldn't eat that, you should do this. Oh, my gosh, it's not there. It's just not there. It's like, you know what, you'll do it if you want it, and if you don't, it's, it's not going to bother me, and it doesn't bother me. It does not bother me. I, it's not me. So anyway, so it's a miracle for me to be in a relationship of any kind, girlfriends, bosses, you know, boyfriends, you name it. It's, it's a miracle. And today, you know, when I do any kind of um, mistake or, you know, I made a commitment, I didn't show up or anything or anything that happens in my life, I have 1,000% faith that I can get through life with program and steps and that's it. Like, I have the solution. We have this solution, period. Period. Life, life is going to happen. Life is going to happen. And you know what? The last, last thing is that this acceptance thing, whether it's good or bad, I accept it. As exactly in God's world, nothing happens by mistake. Like, nothing, meaning the bad things. It's not a mistake. It's not a mistake, and it's one, it was one of the hardest things for me to, you know, um, accept it. So, anyway, thank you so much for letting me speak, and I just wanted to open up the floor for any, anything, any comments or questions, or, so thank you so much. So, uh, the question was, um, what, what do I do to maintain my spiritual fitness and thinking, right? Because my thinking goes insane very quickly. Um, it really does. Um, first of all, I stop and pause. I stop. Whatever I'm doing, it's like I, the first thing to remember and the one thing that I don't want to forget ever, and I sometimes do, is to just stop. Because I want to solve it now, or I want to send that email now, or I want to say something now, or I want to do something now. Because it's so uncomfortable. You know, there was a quote here in the big book that said, we alcoholics, or compulsive readers, are sensitive people. It takes some uh, extra sensitive people, ultra. It takes some of us a long time to outgrow, ouch, right? That means immature. Outgrow that serious handicap. No, this is on page 125. I was like, really? And it's true. So a lot of things may bother me, um, but today at least I know what to do. My spiritual fitness is that I stop, pause, and ask for direction. And so as long as I remember that, I can give it a little bit of space. And that goes with my eating as well. Like if I want to eat something now, like I stop. If I can stop, you know, my life has been crazy for the last few weeks, but it's like I'm now learning how to do less is more. Food is like that too. Less is more. Less is more. Less is more. So even talking to it's like less is more. You know, my email, less is more. You know, and um, there's a beauty in that. And my spirituality is like not not wanting to do everything for everybody or be everything or have everything or eat everything or, you know, it, it really is that like, you know, toning it down. And it's like this humility kind of thing like it's like I can't do it or I'm not a superwoman so that's one thing I do I also have um, the other thing that I do is I definitely need to because I just moved to the east side and it's funny because it's like I'm on the east side so I'm like in a whole different country 
and um, and I'll go to like a store over there and go, I'm not from this area, and they're like, where are you from? West Side. <laughs> they're like, okay, I thought you were like from out of out of state. I'm more like out of uh, outer space, but um, you know, so I feel so like not grounded yet. So I'm trying to find those meetings that I can go to on a regular basis and make it my home meeting. So that's definitely something that I'm missing right now. Um, but you know, faith without works is dead. So I really believe that. And right now, um, the other thing is I talk to my sponsor every day. Um, I do my inventory at night. I do a 10-step every night. So I talk about my day, and I talk about whatever resentment or harm or whatever that I did for that day. I review it. I make commitments of what I'm going to do the next day, so like making two phone calls or making uh, reading my big book for 10, 10 minutes. Um, and then what I did to de-stress myself today, I do that. Um, so I do inventory work, and then I do my food plan. As much as I can, I'll send it before... Uh, the day um, or middle of the day, whenever I can, whether it's texting or emailing. So committing, committing, commitment is my spirituality. You know, it's committing. Uh, and that's been the biggest kind of challenge for me is to keep those commitments. So, um, but I'm learning and it's getting better and better each day. But it's, it's a continuous practice, you know. So, yeah. After I relapsed, the question was, um, did I do the 12 steps again, and how, how was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's several schools of thought on that. Some, some sponsors or some people think, well, once you did it, you're fine. Just keep moving, doing the 10, 10 11, and 12, 10, 11, 12. But for me, because I went back to where I hated God, and I didn't believe in God, and I was not powerless over food, like I still was eating those alcoholic foods, thinking that, Tomorrow I'm going to limit it, or I was doing that same SHIT again. So I knew that I was back on step one and two area, right? So I just did it. I, I did redo it. and I. But what really made a difference this time around is that my first year of my recovery was phenomenal. That really created that foundation of, like, being willing to do whatever it takes to get out of, you know, my situation. But the second or the third time around, actually, the step work was with a sponsor who only worked through the big book. Not to say about any other writing, but the answer for me, the original language is in the big book. So I went back to the big book, and we just read from XXVI whatever, right? And I just did it from there. And then she knows the big book very well, so just deconstructed it for me and then just went through step one. It, everything's in there, how to do the step. How the group did the step is right there. So when I sponsor, I used to think, how do I do this again? What works? You know, I, I don't do that anymore because it's like, it's in the big book. I don't have to make anything up. This is step two, step three. Then we, you know, then we did this. Then this was read, right? So I did that. And that was that made a huge difference in my recovery. Like, just, I, until then, I didn't like the big book too much. I didn't understand it. But that just, this recovery is really different because of that. So thank you for that question.